0: Peter Pan, in Kensington Gardens, by J.M. Barrie. Thank you to Project Gutenberg. Peter Pan. If you ask your mother whether she knew about Peter Pan when she was a little girl, she will say, why of course I did, child. And if you ask her whether he rode on a goat in those days, she will say, what a foolish question to ask. Certainly he did. Then if you ask your grandmother whether she knew about Peter Pan when she was a girl, she also says, Why, of course I did, child. But if you ask her whether he rode on a goat in those days, she says she never heard of his having a goat. Perhaps she has forgotten, just as she sometimes forgets your name and calls you Mildred, which is your mother's name. Still, she could hardly forget such an important thing as the goat. Therefore, there was no goat when your grandmother was a little girl. This shows that, in telling a story of Peter Pan, To begin with, the goat, as most people do, Is as silly as to put on your jacket before your vest. Of course, it also shows that Peter is ever so old, But he is really always the same age, So that does not matter in the least. His age is one week, and though he was born so long ago, He has never had a birthday, Nor is there the slightest chance of his ever having one. The reason was that he escaped from being a human when he was seven days old. He escaped by the window, and flew back to the Kensington Gardens. If you think he was the only baby who ever wanted to escape, it shows how completely you have forgotten your own young days. When David heard this story first, he was quite certain that he had never tried to escape. But I told him to think back hard, pressing his hands to his temples, and when he had done this hard, and even harder, Distinctly remembered a youthful desire to return to the treetops, and with that memory came others, as that he had lain in bed planning to escape as soon as his mother was asleep how he had once caught himself halfway up the chimney. All children could have such recollections if they would press their hands hard to their temples, for, having been birds before they were human, they are naturally a little wild during the first few weeks, and very itchy at the shoulders where their wings used to be. So David tells me, I ought to mention here that the following is our way with a story. First I tell it to him, and then he tells it to me, the understanding being that this is quite a different story. And then I retell it with his additions And so we go on until no one could say whether it is more his story or mine In this story of Peter Pan, for instance The bald narrative and most of the moral reflections are mine Though not all For this boy can be a stern moralist But the interesting bits about the ways and customs of babies in the bird stage Are mostly reminiscences of David's Recalled by pressing his hands to his temples and thinking hard Well, Peter Pan got out by the window, which had no bars. Standing on the ledge, he could see trees far away, which were doubtless the Kensington Gardens. And the moment he saw them, he entirely forgot that he was now a little boy in a nightgown. And away he flew, right over the houses to the gardens. It is wonderful that he could fly without wings, but the place itched tremendously, and perhaps we can all fly if we sure of our capacity to do it as was bold Peter Pan that evening. He alighted gaily on the open sward between the baby's palace and the serpentine, and the first thing he did was to lie on his back and kick. He was quite unaware already that he had ever been human and thought he was a bird, even in appearance, just the same as in his early days. And when he tried to catch a fly, he did not understand that the reason he missed it was because he had attempted to seize it with his hand, which, of course, a bird never does. He saw, however, that it must be past lockout time, For there was a good many fairies about, all too busy to notice him. They were getting breakfast ready, milking their cows, drawing water, and so on, And the sight of the water-pails made him thirsty, So he flew over to the round pond to have a drink. He stooped and dipped his beak in the pond, He thought it was his beak, but, of course, it was only his nose, And therefore very little water came up, And that, not so refreshing as usual, So next he tried a puddle, and he fell flop into it. When a real bird falls and flop, he spreads out his feathers and pecks them dry. But Peter could not remember what was the thing to do, and he decided, rather sulkily, to go to sleep on the weeping beach in the baby walk. At first he found some difficulty in balancing himself on a branch, but presently he remembered the way and fell asleep. He awoke long before morning, shivering, and saying to himself, I was never out in such a cold night. He had really been out in colder nights when he was a bird, but, of course, as everybody knows, what seems a warm night to a bird is a cold night to a boy in a nightgown. Peter also felt strangely uncomfortable, as if his head was stuffy. He heard loud noises that made him look round sharply, though they were really himself sneezing. There was something he wanted very much, but though he knew he wanted it, he could not think what it was. What he wanted so much was his mother to blow his nose, but that never struck him. So he decided to appeal to the fairies for enlightenment. They are reputed reputed to know a good deal. There were two of them strolling along the baby walk, with their arms round each other's waists, and he hopped down to address them. The fairies have their tips with the birds, but they usually give a civil answer to a civil question. And he was quite angry when these two ran away the moment they saw him. Another was lolling on a garden chair reading a postage stamp, which some human had let fall. And when he heard Peter's voice, he popped an alarm behind a tulip. To Peter's bewilderment, he discovered that even fairy he met, every fairy he met, fled from him. A band of workmen who were sawing down a toadstool rushed away, leaving their tools behind them. A milkmaid turned her pail upside down and hid in it. Soon the gardens were in an uproar Crowds of fairies were running this way and that Asking each other stoutly who was afraid Lights were extinguished Doors barricaded and from the grounds Of Queen Mab's palace came the rub dub of drums Showing that the royal guard had been called out A regiment of lancers came charging down the broad walk, Armed with holy leaves, With which they jogged the enemy horribly in passing Peter heard the little people crying everywhere that there was a human in the gardens after lockout time, but he never thought for a moment that he was the human. He was feeling stuffier and stuffier, and more and more wistful to learn what he wanted done to his nose, but he pursued them with a vital question in vain. The timid creatures ran from him, and even the lancers, when he approached them up the hump, turned swiftly into a sidewalk, under the pretense that they saw him there. Despairing of the fairies, he resolved to consult the birds, But now he remembered, as an odd thing, That all the birds on the weeping beach had flown away when he abided in them. And though that had not troubled him at the time, He saw its meaning now. Every living thing was shunning him. Poor little Peter Pan, he sat down and cried, And even then he did not know that, for a bird, he was sitting on his wrong part. It is a blessing that he did not know, For otherwise he would have lost faith in his power to fly. In the moment you doubt whether you can fly You cease forever to be able to do it The reason birds can fly and we can't Is simply that they have perfect faith For to have faith is to have wings Now, except by flying No one can reach the island in the serpentine For the boats of humans are forbidden to land there And there are stakes round it Standing up in the water on which Each of which a bird sentinel sits by day and night it was to the island that Peter now flew to put a strange case before old Solomon Tom, and he alighted on it with relief. Much-
1: our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
0: It's hard to find himself at last home, as the birds call the island. All of them were asleep, including the sentinels, except Solomon who was wide awake on one side, and he listened quietly to Peter's adventures, and then told him there's true meaning. Look at your nightgown, if you don't believe me, Solomon said. And with staring eyes, Peter looked at his nightgown, and then at the sleeping birds. Not one of them wore anything. How many of your toes are thumbs? said Solomon, a little crudely. And Peter saw, to his consternation, that all his toes were fingers. That shock was so great that it drove away his cold. Ruffle your feathers, said that grim old Solomon. And Peter tried most desperately hard to ruffle his feathers, but he had none. Then he rose up, quaking, and for the first time since he stood on the window ledge, he remembered a lady who had been very fond of him. I think I shall go back to my mother, he said timidly. Goodbye, replied Solomon Caw with a queer look. But Peter hesitated. Why don't you go, the old one asked politely. I suppose, said Peter huskily, I suppose I can still fly? You see, he had lost faith. Poor little half-and-half, half, said Solomon, who was not really hard-hearted. You will never be able to fly again, not even on windy days. You must live here on the island always. And never even go to the Kensington Gardens, Peter asked tragically. How could you get across, said Solomon. He promised very kindly, however, to teach Peter as many of the bird ways as he could be learned by one of such an awkward shape. Then I shan't be exactly a human, Peter asked. No nor exactly a bird, no, what shall I be? You will be a betwixt and between, Solomon said, and certainly he was a wise old fellow, for that is exactly how it turned out. The birds on the island never got used to him, his oddities tickled them every day as if they were quite new, though it was really the birds that were new. They came out of the eggs daily and laughed at him once, then off they soon flew to be humans, and other birds came out of other eggs, and so it went on forever. The crafty mother-eggs, when they tired of sitting on their eggs, used to get the one to break their shells a day before the right time by whispering to them that now was their chance to see Peter washing, or drinking, or eating. Thousands gathered round him daily to watch him do these things, just as he watched the peacocks, and they screamed with delight when he lifted the crust they flung him with his hands instead of in the usual way with the mouth. All his food was brought to him from the gardens at Solomon's orders by the birds. He would not eat worms or insects, which they thought very silly of him. So they brought him bread in their beaks. Thus when you cry out, Greedy, greedy, to the bird that flies away with the big crust, you know now that you ought not to do this, for he is very likely taking it to Peter Pan. Peter wore no nightgown now, you see. The birds were always begging him for bits of it to line their nests with, and, being very good-natured, he could not refuse. So by Solomon's advice he had hidden what was left of it, But though he was now quite naked, you must not think that he was cold or unhappy. He was usually very happy and gay, and the reason was that Solomon had kept his promise and taught him many of the bird ways. To be easily pleased, for instance, and always to be really doing something, and to think that whatever he was doing was a thing of vast importance. Peter became very clever at helping the birds to build their nests, Soon he could build better than a wood pigeon, and nearly as well as a blackbird. Though never did he satisfy the finches, and he made nice little water troughs near the nests, and dug up worms for the young ones with his fingers. He also became very learned in bird lore, and knew an east wind from a west wind by its smell. And he could see the grass growing, and hear the insects walking about inside the tree trunks. But the best thing Solomon had done was to teach him to have a glad heart. All birds have glad hearts unless you rob their nests. And so as they were the only kind of heart Solomon knew about, it was easy to teach him to Peter how to have one. Peter's heart was so glad that he felt he must sing all day long, just as the birds sing for joy. But being partly human, he needed an instrument, so he made a pipe of reeds, and he used to sit by the shore of the island of an evening, practicing the song of the wind and the ripple of the water and catching handfuls of the shine of moon. And he put them all in his pipe and played them so beautifully that even the birds were deceived. And they would say to each other, Was that a fish leaping in the water, or was it Peter playing leaping fish on his pipe? And sometimes he played the birth of birds, and then the mothers would turn round in their nest to see whether they had laid an egg. If you are a child of the gardens, you must know the chestnut tree near the bridge, which comes out in flower first of all the chestnuts. But perhaps you have not heard why this tree leads the way. It is because Peter wearies for summer and plays that it has come, and the chestnut being so near hears him and is cheated. But as Peter sat by the shore tootling divinely on his pipe he sometimes fell into sad thoughts and then the music became sad also, and the reason of all this sadness was that he could not reach the gardens though he could see them through the arch of the bridge. He knew he could never be a real human again, and scarcely wanted to be one. But oh, how he longed to play as other children play, and of course there is no such lovely place to play in as the gardens. The birds brought him news of how boys and girls play, and wistful tears started in Peter's eyes. Perhaps you wonder why he did not swim across. The reason was that he could not swim. He wanted to know how to swim, but no one on the island knew the way except the ducks, and they are so stupid. They were quite willing to teach him, but all they could say about it was, You sit down on top of the water in this way, and then you kick out like that. Peter tried it often, but always before he could kick out, he sank. What he really needed to know was how you sit on the water without sinking. And they said it was quite impossible to explain such an easy thing as that. Occasionally, swans touched on the inland island, and he would give them all his day's food, and then ask them how they sat on the water. But as soon as he had no more to give them, the hateful things hissed at him and sailed away. Once he really thought he had discovered a way of reaching the gardens. A wonderful white thing, like a runaway newspaper, floated high over the island and then tumbled, rolling over and over after the manner of a bird that has broken its wing. Peter was so frightened that he hid but the birds told him it was only a kite, and what a kite is, and that it must have tugged its string out of a boy's hand and soared away. After that, they laughed at Peter for being so fond of the kite. He loved it so much that he even slept with one hand in it, on it, and I think this was pathetic and pretty, for the reason he loved it was because it had belonged to a real boy. For the birds, this was a very poor reason. But the older ones felt grateful to him at this time, because he had nursed a number of fledglings through the German measles, and they offered to show him how birds fly a kite. So six of them took the end of the string in their beaks and flew away with it. And to his amazement, it flew after them and went even higher than they. Peter screamed out, Do it again! And with great good nature, they did it several times, and always, instead of thanking them, he cried, Do it again! Which shows that even now he had not quite forgotten what it was to be a boy. At last, with a grand design burning within his brave heart, he begged them to do it once more with him clinging to the tail. And now a hundred flew off with the string, and Peter clung to the tail, meaning to drop off when he was over the gardens. But the kite broke to pieces in the air, and he would have drowned in the serpentine had he not caught hold of two indignant swans, and made them carry him to the island. After this, the birds said that they would keep him no more in this mad enterprise. Nevertheless, Peter did reach the gardens at last by the help of Shelley's boat, as I am now to tell you.